3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, listeners. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, Thursday morning breakfast. We're coming to you again via Zoom. Uh, it's the 9th of July. Welcome, Priya. How are you going? Hey, Carly. Um, well, it's, it's been an interesting start to the week, so... Um, a little bit stressed, but I reckon we probably all are at this moment. How are you? Yeah, also quite stressed with the lockdowns. Um, and I just know quite a few people that live on the border of Victoria and New South Wales. Um, so hopefully by the time that Thursday comes around, the government would have actually created a permit system. Um, but at the moment, yeah, we're still waiting to hear on what this permit system is going to look like so that people can travel across from Victoria to New South Wales. Yeah, absolutely. And um, unfortunately, over the past week in particular, we've seen a shoot first, ask questions later kind of um, response to the pandemic from the government. So hopefully something will come through soon and provide those residents um, a bit of peace of mind. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I think that a lot of our listeners would also know what's been happening with the public housing lockdowns. as well so hopefully yeah the cops get out of there um as well as all of those other demands that residents are calling on as well yeah 100 percent. and we'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the show in a bit more detail Mm. so um what have we got on the show today bria um so we start off uh hearing from dr jackie huggins who spoke at progress 2020 Um, And this was the virtual progress conference on Black Lives Matter and the incarceration of First Nations women. Jackie Huggins is a Bidjara and Virigaba juror woman and a celebrated author, historian and former co-chair of the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples. And then we're going to hear some interviews that Beyond the Bars did as part of their broadcast series. And this series began in 2002. And unfortunately, this year, it couldn't be delivered as per normal due to COVID-19 restrictions. But um, massive congratulations to the Beyond the Bars team who still managed to do some interviews um, and broadcast Beyond the Bars for this year. So usually it's during NAIDOC week, but um, NAIDOC week's actually now been pushed back to the 8th to the 15th of November. But the team still really wanted to do some radio broadcasts from the prisons. So definitely tune in to Beyond the Bars this week and some of the prisons that you'll be hearing interviews from, um, if you tune in all week, are Dame Phyllis Frost Centre, Port Phillip Prison, uh, Lawdon Middleton Prison and Barwon Prison, Karanga, Marganit, and then also Fulham um, Correctional Centre or Prison. <laughs> and today you're going to hear some interviews conducted by our phone at Dame Phyllis Frost and also Lawdon Middleton Prison. And then we're going to hear um, from Revi uh, Marinas from the Philippines-Australia 
Solidarity Association, who speaks with Thursday Breakfast about the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on Filipino students and other international students in so-called Australia and the importance of grassroots migrant community organising. And that'll be part two of the interview that we heard with Ravi that started in last week's segment. So if you wanted to catch up, um, you can revisit our podcast from last week. Um, and finally, on the show this week, we're going to be, um, I guess, covering the lockdown in the nine public housing towers across Flemington, Kensington and North Melbourne in a little bit more detail. Uh, we'll be playing a little clip from Monday's episode of Diaspora Blues on 3CR, which features a short interview with somebody who is residing in the public housing towers at the moment um, and just their immediate take of the events on the weekend. Um, and we'll fill in a bit more detail with information current as of Tuesday night. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll only get positive updates from then on. So now we go to the news with Kate Kelly. A new program that looks to address family violence against LGBTQI people has launched in Victoria. So the Victorian government has provided $65,000 in funding to Latrobe University so the, uni so the uni can develop a new training program to help reduce family violence in the queer community. The new funds are in, are in addition to the 600,000 LGBTQI family violence primary prevention project, a, a pilot project run by the university's Rainbow Health Victoria service. So earlier this week, Rainbow Health Victoria released Pride in Prevention, a guide to help practitioners and policy makers develop programs and activities to address family violence in LGBTQI communities and relationships. The model suggests that the drivers of family violence experienced in queer communities are likely to be better understood in the broader social context of marginalisation and discrimination faced by LGBTQI Victorians. Around 13.4% of LGBTQI adults in Victoria have experienced some form of family violence, compared with just 5.1% of the broader population. And the Public Sector Union has called on the Minister for Government Services, Stuart Robert, to apologise to its members forced to administer the unlawful robo-debt scheme. The Community and Public Sector Union wrote to the Government Services Minister on Friday asking for an apology to, to service Australia staff, who it said raised concerns four years ago but were told to push on despite witnessing firsthand the distress and anger it caused people accused of owing debts. On Tuesday, Roberts addressed the National Press Club promising faster and more accurate calculations of payments. But CPSU National President Alistair Waters wrote to Roberts that it was not good enough just to apologise to customers with no mention of the effects implementing the scheme has had on Service Australia staff. And, re and residents and relatives of people living in the Melbourne public housing blocks placed into hard lockdown by the Victorian government say they pleaded months ago for more cleaning and resources to help keep the virus out of their homes, but authorities failed to listen. So the decision came suddenly on Saturday after more than 20 cases were detected in the two estates, a figure which, is, which had exceeded 50 on Monday amid a ramp-up of testing. 
but residents and relatives of those in hard lockdown said they had been calling for more resources for their estates back in March when Victoria first went into stage three restrictions. So an email sent to the Victorian government in late March called for more printed resources in diverse languages and questioned the department's plan for deep cleaning of high-traffic areas within the buildings, such as shared laundries, lifts, intercoms and main foyers. And that's it for Thursday's headlines. In 2020, 3CR is delivering our Beyond the Bars project differently. We've been speaking to the Indigenous men and women in Victorian prisons over the phone and we'll bring you those chats throughout the week of Monday, July the 6th to Friday, July the 10th. You can also catch up on the audio from the project online at 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars 2020. We want to see our men and women out of the prison system, but while they're still there, we will give them a voice through Beyond the Bars. Make sure you listen in. Virtual Progress 2020 was an online social justice conference that took place on the 23rd and 24th of June this year, with a focus on planning actions to address racial and economic inequality. On Thursday breakfast over the coming weeks, we'll be playing you some highlights from the conference. This week, you're going to hear from Dr. Jackie Huggins. Jackie is a Bajara and Birigabajura woman from Queensland who has worked in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander affairs for over 40 years. Jackie Huggins is a celebrated author and historian and former co-chair of National Congress of Australia's First Peoples. For context, Jackie's presentation was part of a broader discussion exploring what a feminist recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic could look like. You'll hear her reference this a few times in her presentation. Jackie also discusses Black Lives Matter, the hyper-incarceration of First Nations women in so-called Australia, and much more. So stay tuned to hear Jackie Huggins' speech at the Virtual Progress 2020 conference in June this year. As you know, our people are the oldest living culture on the planet. And we should be respected for that, even though uh, we're not in many, many circumstances. But uh, I'd like to say that uh, our land is Aboriginal land, always was, always will be, and we have never ceded our sovereign rights. Uh, That's why it's so important, I guess, in terms of looking at a feminist uh, recovery, that we look at the issues now that uh, are impacting upon um, our people, uh, impacting upon uh, First Nations people here in Australia. And those issues, of course, are issues around, uh, I would say, three things but also it it has wider implications as well. The issues around voice, treaty and truth. Uh, Along with that, um, we need to know how we can join forces in supporting um, Indigenous causes and to stop the land degradation of our country, the critical... uh, instances of um, destroying our cultural sites and other heritage sites, destroying our land, destroying our planet. Um, And of course, uh, we don't want our people destroyed anymore, which leads me on to our next uh, issue around the um, the current impetus that we're receiving at the moment. And that is around Black Lives Matter. 
Um, as we know, our Black Lives Matter too in this country. And we have, in fact, since the early 1990s, been talking about uh, the Royal Deaths in Custody, Aboriginal Deaths in Custody report. And to look at that report and get that report uh, and their recommendations implemented. Of course, this hasn't happened, along with a lot of our other reports that still sit on the shelves in Parliament House and elsewhere without any, without any um, attention or really concern that uh, this is a real issue for us and still has been happening. So I think with the current situation, it would be really fantastic if people could um, see that, not let it pass, have it addressed and, you know, to keep the momentum up. You know, I see a younger generation of uh, people coming forward in such great diversity and that is fantastic. You know, never before, I think, uh, have I felt so buoyed by what, what has been happening in terms of support uh, for our people. And as an Aboriginal woman, I um, uh, sit before you in terms of watching this and, and watching this grow and the movement around the uh, importance that we have um, and, and the interest that we have. But interest is not enough. You know, we need action uh, through this. Aboriginal women, of course, you know, the Prime Minister talked about slavery. Well, let me tell you, my mother and her 14 siblings were slaves. They worked, well, they slaved in domestic service and also stockmen for the men. Um, so slavery clearly existed in our country. Also, you know, there are issues around us being heard. Um, the first day I heard Keenan Mundine say, um, I think his quote was around, have us at the table, we need to be at the table. Um, I think that's a current theme throughout all our uh, social justice issues. I hear it um, and I've heard it uh, in the disability um, uh, sector as well as the women's movement. Uh, nothing, um, uh, nothing gets done without us. So really, you know, we do need that, um, that simple act of listening, of taking action and really embedding some principles by which we can all move forward. And it's not too much to ask. It's not much, too much to ask at all. In fact, it's not rocket science. It's quite, quite simple. Um, I believe we're at the crossroads, but uh, then again, I have been at the crossroads in many, many times in my life in terms of this struggle. Uh, for our people in this country. But this is a kind of a different crossroads. I think we can bring more people on with us and, and onto our course. And I, I know that I'm probably talking to the converted, but you never, ever assume that, that, um, you know, people are um, will listen to you and then go and do something. It doesn't actually happen like that. If it did, we wouldn't be the sickest the poorest, the most unhealthiest, uh, the most uh, unemployed in this country. So something's got to shift. Something's got to change. And I hope that change will come from what we're seeing now, not only in Australia, 
but uh, around the world in terms of um, moving our issues on. I just want to say uh, also that um, I've never been asked the question, uh, what's a feminist recovery look like? Um, when I, I heard that, I thought, well, I'll take it on, uh, on board that um, I'm an Aboriginal woman. I'm um, a very much a feminist, a womanist, uh, an Aboriginal woman who is uh, very uh, stooped and, and proud of her culture but want to share this also with others and share that, I think, is our generosity of spirit and how we have always, always wanted to share this country. And I don't hear too many whitefellas talking that they want to share it back. But you never know, perhaps in my lifetime, um, that will change. Our sovereignty um, is very important. As I've said, 65,000 years just can't be wiped out at the stroke of a pen. Yet some governments seem to want to do this. They continually um, uh, make excuses for not uh, resourcing us properly or thinking our projects or our uh, causes are necessary because it doesn't fit into uh, their economic uh, development strategy or what other strategies that they use. Well, of course, that's not true. And um, uh, we are here. Uh, we won't go away. We can't go away. This is our country. And we will never, never cede um, sovereignty or cede the way in which we feel and we care for our people, which leads me to... Um, our very wonderful results around COVID-19 and the um, and for uh, caring for our people. We've always uh, been people who have cared for our people, particularly our elders. Uh, as women, we are the nurturers. You know, we're the educators. We are the um, uh, the people who are the backbone of our communities. And uh, Aboriginal men, um, Torres Strait Islander men. They realise that too, because uh, we are their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunties, and uh, we hold a strong and very vital and vibrant position. In terms of what you can do for us, there is um, uh, lots of things, I guess. You know, we're 2%, 2, 2 to 3% of the population, and um, uh, our jail rates, incarceration rates, um, a third in prisons, uh, Aboriginal women are, in fact, uh, the fastest growing prison population, I would dare say, in the world. Now, it's a stunning, uh, a stunning statistic, but uh, Aboriginal women are 80% who are in prisons are mothers. So what does that do to the fabric of our families, of our society, of, um, of you know, where we are placed and the growing up? of our children. So we have to do something very desperate about those incarceration rates. Now here in our country have the close the gap policy measures. Well, you know what? Incarceration needs to be at the front of that. And we have been arguing that case for many, many years now, as well as other targets, such as domestic and family violence, and of course, disability. Our one of our most marginalised and uh, dispossessed people. 
You know, 50% of our people face a disability of some sort. And you would have heard from Damien Griffiths, a great advocate today around um, our issues there. So we're asking people to get behind us to, um, to do uh, the, the letters and the petitions, uh, the support letters that you need to do to your politicians and to, uh, to everybody, um, we, uh, those in power, of course. And we need organisations to support us. You have to be asked. Just don't come in and expect that you will receive a bit of funding for an Aboriginal cause. It doesn't work that way anymore. So please, you know, we, we, ex we want respect and we want you to um, work in collaboration uh, with us. So um, there's some of the things, I guess, in terms of uh, what, um, what might happen. And of course, educate yourselves. I know that you're pretty much very well-educated people but there are fantastic books out there by our artists, our writers, beautiful artwork like you see in the back here. That's my grandfather's shadow box from Sherberg Aboriginal Mission. It's the last one he made. It's an artefact. I'm very proud of that. So support. Please support your Aboriginal uh, and Torres Strait Islander artists because uh, that's, that's very important too because... Um, you know, we have a treasure trove of, uh, of uh, cultural artefacts and information that can really, um, really go to the heart and soul of our country. So in doing so, I really want to um, say that uh, I believe in people power. I believe in the people's connection and the way in which we must all work together. We must never, ever uh, give up on that because there's some pretty decent people out there. There's some horrible, horrible ones too. But um, we need to get uh, far more organised and together and uh, walk this road of uh, recovery uh, together because I think COVID, um, the pandemic has taught us great lessons. It has taught us in many respects to think, uh, to reflect uh, and to be and to focus on who we are and the kind of uh, person or people that we're able to, um, uh, to really um, develop ourselves in terms of becoming better human beings. And without people and the planet, uh, the environment, um, we're not going to get far. So um, I know that um, it, it's uh, going to be a, a very um, slow recovery but, you know, we've been in a slow recovery since 1788 as uh, Aboriginal uh, people uh, in our country. Uh, I'd like to see us come out of it and I'd like to see that, um, you know, together, you know, we can all make this huge difference, that we can really uh, work together, uh, form those um, alliances and to really have some impact on uh, this place we all call home. This is 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55am, and you've just been hearing from Dr Jackie Huggins, author, historian, and former co-chair of National Congress of Australia's First Peoples. Jackie was addressing the Virtual Progress 2020 conference. Tune back in to Thursday Breakfast next week to hear some more great audio from the conference exploring lessons from the disability justice movement.
Hi, we're the Marindas, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. You're listening to 3CR 855am. And now we're going to listen to part of the Beyond the Bars 2020 broadcast series. Today, you'll hear audio from two prisons. In the first segment, we hear Kevin Russell interviewing Steve, Josh and Lockie at Lodden and Middleton prisons. And then in the second segment, we hear Viv Marlowe interview Yana, Roxanne and Stacey at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison. Hi, I'm Viv Malo, and you've tuned into a Beyond the Bars special broadcast. In 2020, 3CR is delivering our Beyond the Bars project differently. We've been speaking to the Indigenous men and women in Victorian prisons over the phone. Today we're going to hear from Steve, Josh, Lockie at Lodden and Middleton Prisons, speaking to Beyond the Bars broadcaster Kevin Russell. Uh, my name's Steve. Um, I'm a Murray from Queensland. Um, I've, I've been in Victoria for the last 30 years. I really haven't had a uh, close connection to, to, to my family. I was, I was um, taken away off, off my dad when I was a kid, you know, so uh, my mum's white and my stepdad's white, so I got raised up in a white family. But since I've been up in Victoria, my brother's up here. I've got a child here and um, I, I get a lot of my support off the, off the um, Corys and um, the Murrays and the Normans from different states up here, you know, so that's, that's where I get um, most of my support, uh, support and, and, and whatnot. So that's, you know, it's been really helpful. So um, it sounds like with the brothers, this culture and identity, how do, you, how do you stay strong with your culture and identity while you're locked up? Brother? Look, I, I think it's... Um it's it, it just more with, with the, when you're with the brothers and that, um, you know, you, we, we can we can talk about stuff, we can dus, discuss. But having, having said that, once you're with a brother anyway, it's just it, it, it just sort of you're a brother. There, there, there's that automatic bond, so it, it, it helps whether you know him or not. So when you meet one of the boys, it just it's 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 a relaxing sort of you, you, you know. We're getting courses like you yourself do courses um, that help. So whenever we can get them done, you know, um, they're brilliant and they've just. Um, there's a few courses coming here at the moment now, um, cultural courses, which we're really looking forward to doing as well. So, so having said that, what's justice mean to you? Um, I've, got, I've got two perspectives on justice, you know. I, I understand um, the, the, the overwhelming um, popular belief of justice. I understand that, but um, I don't believe that is justice. And then there's the, there's, there's a justice that, um, that that actually is, you know. says so that the perceived justice that um, they want everyone, everyone else to believe, which most of the population do, and then there's the actual justice, which is um, keeps us down. If you seem to have the money or you seem to have the contacts out there, there is no justice. So how, how can you really define that into a into a, um, yeah. a um, reason, reasonable argument? You can't really, because I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that argue for and against. But to me, you know, there, look, there's things that happen. And, and um, tell me, what are your plans for the future, brother? You know what? I've, I've um, been incarcerated for so long at, at the moment, um, and, and I've got a lengthy parole period. I, I, look, I want to, I want to be released. Um, I don't, I've, I've done so long. I don't know, um, I don't know how things are going to fall into place. Like I, I've got plans, of course, like, like everyone else. But um, you know, how long is this, um, how long is things going to change for us as they are now, and, and, and what's going to go on? But um, I've got, um, like I said, I've got a son um, who, uh, when I get out, he'll be turning 21. He was born while I was in jail. I haven't spent any time outside. So do you know what? Even though it's going to be so long in between between seeing him and, and that, that my, my main plan is to um, see him and, and, and build up some sort of relationship there. Don't want him having the same relationship I had with my father. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome, brother. What, what, 
what would you need most upon being released? So what's the sort of help or what, what would you need? I really don't know. I, I, I'm, I think I pretty much I'm going to need as much help as I get because I can get because um, it's just this is to me this is my normal outside. It, like I, I say to a couple of folks in here, it's it's a scarier thought for me now with the prospect of getting out on parole than it is if I think I have to do the rest of my life in jail because this is my normal. This is this is what it is. So everything about the outside scares me. Just living life. You, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm just used to this. So I think what you're feeling sounds like pretty normal feelings. Yeah. Hey, mate, um, NAIDOC comes at a different time this year. We're celebrating NAIDOC the 8th to the 15th of November this year with uh, all the changes with COVID and so on. But this year's theme is always was, always will be. What does that mean to you? We're, we're, we always were and we always will be, regardless regardless of what gets thrown out of it. It's um, our culture. It's, it's us. It's... Um, it says it all yeah, itself no. always will always, always will be something to be proud of. So what about NAIDOC in general to you? Each year as NAIDOC comes around, is that an important time to you? It is, and look, I'd like to say a happy belated NAIDOC to everyone when, when it um, came to 2020, but it is, it, 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 it's such a big thing in here because you know, everything, everything we get to do and it's just a celebration where we get together and although it is, it, it, it is belated, you know, it's, a, um, it's, 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 it's for us, it's, um, it's, it's our... Um, Celebration, so you know we get to um, have that um, day in here for ourselves. When we thought we weren't going to get it this year, it was a bit disappointing. But we yeah, are okay. just down the track. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been difficult times, brother. Hey, listen, it's been deadly talking to you, Hunt. Is there anything else you'd like to share or say to the community or people listening out there? I'd just like to say hello to everyone and um, yeah, take care. Josh, Yorta Yorta, Gunnoy Kurnoy. Yeah, what would you like all the listeners to know about you, Josh? See when I see them, and yeah, I'll just tell them I'll be home soon, you know, see the mob. Yeah, yeah but I'm doing good, do, doing all my artwork and that still. So, yeah, I've got one of my paintings, I, I believe that's um, it's getting used for the Bendigo region and that, for for the NAIDOC. Oh, I get it, brother. Yeah, so it's, it's in the torch at the moment. How do you stay connected to your family and friends while you're there, Josh? We've got phone calls and that, um, the Zoom, so we can see them on the iPad and that. All right. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually worked. I, I, I think it's actually been all right because some family members, go, they can't travel and, yeah, you just get, get one of the young cousins or, or sister girls you know, to go and connect it for them, for our grandparents and that. Oh, how nice is that? It's actually good, yeah. So, yeah. so how do you stay strong with your culture uh, while you're locked up there, Josh? Yeah, just doing my artwork. Yeah, started making digits and that in here as well. Mainly just, just doing my artwork and showing my other young brothers how, how to use a paintbrush and that. Just teaching right, and passing okay. it on, you know. Passing it on. Beautiful, brother. Tell me about your plans, Josh. What what, what are your plans for when you when you uh, When I get out, yeah, just keep painting, I think. That, that's the main thing that keeps me occupied especially while I'm in here, but yeah, so if I've got nothing to do on the weekends or whatever, I'll just sit there and paint, teach my kids what, how to do it. All right. Family. Yeah, get back in culture. the sports. Yeah. Deadly, well, deadly. So what, what do you need? What sort of help do you need when, you, when you're released, Josh? Housing, that, that, that's one of the main issues is housing. Housing's always uh, an issue for a man, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, being on the... Housing list for a few years and still nothing. I'm getting out straight release with no accommodation, so yeah. Bit of transitional support for yourself that you need. 
Yeah, that's that's the that's the most important one because once I've got mine mine crib and they will be then I can work on building my um, bond and relationship back with my kids. That, that's my main goal anyway. Just working on getting my own apartment or house and uh, having my kids with me. Hey, what would you say to the listeners in the community out there tonight, off brother? They just um, enjoy, yeah, you know, have a ball. I'll be out on the 9th of November. There's NADOC starting on the 6th. Oh, yeah, so I'm out the next day, so I'll be able to celebrate NADOC with you when I get out. It's been a long time since I've been out, so yeah, it's a yeah, good okay. So what about our team this year, brother? Always was, always will be. What's that mean? Look, that's, that's part of the painting that I've done for NADOC in Bendigo, Swan Hill and Chuka and all that region. It's got two blackfellas, one playing the ditch, one doing the corroboree, and it's got always was, always will be our stomping grounds. Oh, how good is that? Is that in the torch, is it? Yeah, it's online now in the torch. It's something that I'm very proud of, of my culture and that, yeah. Yeah, I know you are, Josh. Hey, deadly talking to you, brother. What's, uh, what are, any final messages or any words you would like to say? Just let them all know that I'm doing good and, yeah, I'll be home soon. Beautiful. Hey, um, my name's Lockie. Yeah, I'm Noongar Yamaji from Perth. My dad's Italian, my mum's Aboriginal. So what would you like to say to the listeners out there at the moment if you had that opportunity there, Lockie? I'd send it, yeah, just send my love to my family and everyone out there. Yeah, just um, the left out there, my daughter, she's in New Zealand. But yeah, just my family, they're back in Perth. Yeah, just send my love to them. Yeah, you're just... a long way away, bro. Yeah, a long way from home, yeah. I'll get out, I'll hopefully get out in January, so hopefully I'll go back over there and just back on so parole. How have, you, how have you been able to keep your connection to your family um, oh, yeah. while you've been here? Oh, yeah, my family were over here. They were living, they lived here for 10 years, but I always had for like visits and everything with them, but they went back. My sisters are still here, so they come visit me, and I have Zoom calls with my family, my mom and dad and that. My dad had to go back, yeah, my dad had to go back for work because he works on the mines, but, um... Alright, so you've been staying connected through, um, phones and visits? Yeah, through phone calls and Zoom, yeah. Do you write letters, Lockie? Yeah, I write letters to them, uh, to my brother. My, my, a couple of my brothers are in jail, so I write to them. They're back in Perth jail. Yeah, I write letters to my daughter. She's back in New Zealand. I'm like, yeah, my, my ex took her to New Zealand. But, yeah, my family, I write letters to them, send yeah. photos and everything. Good. Yeah. Tell me about culture for you, Lockie. What, what's important about culture as a strength? How do you yeah. stay strong in culture while you're locked up there? Yeah, I just, I guess the brothers, the brothers here... They're good, like we just, um, we do the catch-ups and everything. We go down to the Kuru Garden and we stick together, you know, like just talk about our, you know, our, our past and everything, where what we've done and everything like that. Yeah, we, so we've done smoking ceremony here. We, um, we're making didgeridoos at the moment, so just stuff like that, you know, it's like, it's, it's good that, you know, we can get involved in our culture and everything like that, just learn new things as well, you know? Yeah, it sounds like that's very important to you, Rocky. Yeah, it is, yeah, nah, but I'm a long way from home too, you know, like, so kind of, when I first come to, to Melbourne, I didn't know, like, I didn't know any Kuru's or anything like that, I didn't know no one, so do it now, is like, yeah, it's good because I had a bit of a break because I didn't know anyone, you know? Yeah, okay. Coming from Perth to here, it's a, you know, it's a big difference, you know? Yep, but you've been yeah. accepted and... Yeah, that's it, um, yeah. Yeah, nice. So what are your, what are your plans for the future, Rocky? 
Uh, well, hopefully I just get out first off, try to get my daughter, get her back over here because I'd never met her before. Just get out and I'm going to get a job. I'll try and make it into the rugby first. Is that right? Yeah, I want to play rugby when I get out. I've been, I'll be able, yeah, I've played a bit of rugby in the past too, so I, I was supposed to go over to New Zealand last year to play, but, uh, it, sorry, in 2018, but I come into jail, so it was, you know, it was, um, yeah, well, not good for me, like, but... Sounds like you were very good at it, and it's, uh, yeah. it's a pathway for you. Oh, yeah, I'm alright, but, yeah, I'll just get out, and hopefully I'll, I'll go over and play play rugby over there, I'll try out for the uh, New Zealand team over there. Lucky. What what do you think justice is? What what is what does justice mean to you? Uh justice, I reckon it's probably I reckon, yeah, I don't know. It's probably the overseas law, like it's the white man's law, you know. Like I, I don't know. It's just our culture yeah. is about, and our law is a lot different. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, I yeah, think right. it's the white man's law. To be honest with you. So justice to you, it's law, but you think there's two laws. Yeah, oh yeah, of course, there's two laws. There's, uh, yeah. yeah, there's like, you, you gotta be wealthy or something, like, you gotta pay for justice, you know? Like, and our law is our traditional law, you know what I mean? Our, our justice, our, our culture, you know? Yeah, I've got it. Uh, no, it's yeah. nice that you share that, and the difference between. Yeah, there's, what yeah, our law yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. big, yeah. yeah hey, brother, so, um, NADOC this year is in November. Is yeah, the, yeah. Um, and the theme this year is always, was, always will be. What, what does that mean for you? Oh, probably just uh, our, uh, us, I guess. Always was and always will be, you know what I mean? Like our culture, our, our, like everything to us, we, it was always, it was always like, it's always with us and always will be with us, you know what I mean? Like our culture, our law, our, you know, everything, like just our arts, our... Uh, our talent, everything. What does NADOC mean to you then, NADOC itself? Culture. Um, yeah, just the brothers, like, you know, all of us yeah, together, you know? Yeah, it's a celebration, eh? Yeah, celebration of culture and, you know, get together, families, you know, having, yeah, just, yeah, just to, like, get together and, you know, build strength and everything, you know what I mean? Like, come from you know, like different places and everything, we come together and it's, it makes us strong, you know what I mean? Because um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ang, for that. Hey, any last wishes there for family or friends that you'd like to send them cheerios? Yeah, um, I'll just pay my respect to the elders and uh, elders and everything out there, send my love to them. Some, well, I don't know, some, but just pay my respects for them, send my love out to them, send my love to my family. Uh, send my love to all the brothers behind bars and everything. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, that's that's lovely, Lucky. Yeah. Hey, stay strong, my brother. It's been an absolute oh. privilege talking to you. And just then, we heard Kevin Russell interviewing Steve, Josh and Lockie at Lawdon and Middleton Prisons as part of the Beyond the Bars 2020 broadcast series. Now we're going to be listening to Viv Marlowe interviewing Yana, Roxanne and Stacey at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison. I should tell Viv who you are. Hi. Hello. My name's Viv. Who's this? Hi, I'm Yana. Hi, Yana. Thanks for coming on and doing Beyond the Bars this year for um, NADOC. Have you done it before? No. No. So normally it's 
we're, we're pre-recording this for NAIDOC week and we'll broadcast during NAIDOC week and we're doing yep. a few of the prisons around Victoria. But normally we come inside and do it and run some workshops, but that's going to be different hey, this year. Hey, Viv, a lot of these girls too, I forgot to mention, they've been really getting into their artwork, so doing ah. some deadly pieces during COVID. That's how they've been keeping busy. Yana's one of them. Tell us about your art then, Yana. Um, yeah, I've been into my art a bit, um, learning new techniques and uh, new ways and uh, learning about, you know, my mob and uh, dedicating them to my kids and my husband um, and my family, yeah. So was art something you did beforehand or...? I was always crafty but never really got into the painting and now I've realised it's something... Uh, to get your emotions out, you can put the emotions on the canvas and um, express yourself in that way. Yeah, beautiful. So acrylic, you're talking about acrylic, you're doing paintings on a can on canvas? Um, yeah, I think it's acrylic that we use on the canvas and, um, yeah, and so different... Yeah, different ways we learn how to do it, you know, like, you know, different brushes and the lines and the dots, you know, like different sizes and, um, yeah, it's all about the, the stroke, I suppose, yeah. So that that's a way for you to tell, tell a story tell and yeah, share, yeah? Yeah, percent yeah. So do you get a chance to exhibit that work, like, at any time, even if it's just, you know, internally? I'm or in the midst of... Um, my artwork out there. Um, I've sent a lot home to my, my children and my family and um, they've got them up on the wall at home and I've got some aunties back home that want, want some of my work, so that's pretty deadly. Um, that is. That's, yeah. that's more than deadly. That's really, that's really exciting. Yeah, it is, actually. So um, uh, I put one of my paintings forward to NADOC and it's actually being used to... A tote bag for us girls. Oh, that's amazing. So good. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What about, yeah. Have, have you thought about, um, like, doing it, there's, in, in, uh, in, if you know Fitzroy Collingwood here, you know there's murals and nice big sort of artwork on that huge scale. Yeah, yeah. So for, I'm from Lake Centrance. Yeah. So I would love to... Uh, do like art classes down there for for the youth, you know, and, and teach the, you know, my kids and nieces and nephews and many more how to uh, express themselves through art. Absolutely, do it. I can hear it in your voice that you've got you've gotten so much that you've gotten you know something out of that. Yeah. And yeah, um, I, I I do it for you know when I yeah for the same reasons. So deadly, and share that with your children too. One of the things I learnt in sort of later in the day, or I wish I'd learnt and taught my children, is music along the same sort of lines. You know, do you get a chance yeah. to do learn music or anything like that? Uh, last year I was doing songwriting, and I've learned how to, um, you know, express myself. I've uh, written a few songs, and my daughter she does rap, and she was trying to teach me before I come in here, and now I've learned how to do it. Um, our dream is to uh, put a few songs together. Wonderful. I love yeah. um, a rap or spoken word. I love the spoken word sort of stuff. Yeah. Wow. Look, how, how long before, how long do you have to 
before you can be released from Dame Phyllis there? Um, well, my daughter's already in the midst um, of getting a few songs recorded, so uh, hopefully when I go home we'll be able to yeah, get the ball rolling and, and get it out there. Absolutely, and keep 3CR in mind. You know, we're a little community radio station here in Melbourne, but one of the things yeah, that they do here is sure. su- support new artists. I don't know if you've heard, uh, uh, you would have heard maybe Mitch Tambo. I think he was on a, a, um, yeah. a relatively new artist, but um, we had, I've got to say, well, I had him in here re- really early. So this, it's a great place to support new artists, upcoming artists. So Yeah, definitely. They've supported Thank me. You. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for coming on. Is there anything yeah, else you want to want to put out there before you go? Pardon? Anything you want to add last before well, you go? Just a shout out to my babies and family to stay strong and I love them and we'll be together again soon. Deadly. Deadly, thank you. Thanks, Yana. I'll just say if anyone else is there, Viv. Okay, Jodie. Uh, hello. Hi, Roxanne. It's Viv here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. I think I seen you in there last time, sis. Yes, I do. I remember you. Have you have you been out since? Um, yeah, for like two and a half months. Okay, I think I did see you around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you introduce yourself. Um. Hi, um, I'm Roxanne. I'm at DPSC, and we're listening to the Heart and the Is that what I'm supposed to say? Yeah, you can say anything, Roxanne. Tell okay. it. You know, just tell us how, if, you know, if there's any messages you want people to, any, you know, specific, they want, you want people to know about you and your experience or cheerios? Um, probably not much. I just, yeah, work and everything. Um, I just wanted to um, do a shout out to everybody and wish them happy NATO. Um, keep strong. Um, I'd like to say hello to my babies, uh, Samarita, Zali and Malachi. Um, just be strong, my baby. Um, and is there any chance that I could dedicate, um, a song? Yep, absolutely. So, I'd like to, um, Christine Anu, um, My Island Home. Done. For you, Roxanne. So, tell us what, when you say work, what does work look like, Dame Phyllis? Um, I'm at Waterculture at the moment, so I just do all the plants and seeding. I'm doing a project at the moment with, like, I've built this cage and I've just put all my vegetables in there, so I'm waiting for all of it to grow. Winter veg. What's in, what's winter veg? Um, I've got, like, snow peas and radish, broccoli, um, cabbage, strawberries, everything, yeah, everything that's in this season, so... That's awesome. I, I, I always wish I'd gained that skill. And do you get to eat that food and it up in the kitchen? Um, yeah, like for all the girls that are hot, um, when it's ready, we're allowed to like, you know, go and pick it and then it'll just get given to girls, so, yeah. That's really good. good. Deadly. Anything else you want to add? Hey? Anything else you want to add me on about or put out? Um, no. Just have a good day. You're listening to the women at the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre as part of Beyond the Bars 2020. This year we've connected with the Indigenous men and women on the inside over the phone due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Hello. Hi. Viv here. How are you? 
Just then, you heard Viv Marlowe interviewing Yana, Roxanne and Stacey at Dame Phyllis Frost Prison as part of the Beyond the Bars 2020 broadcast series. Now we're going to head into a new track. This one features Macridge and Barker, 22 Clan. Straight, my team heavyweight. One more rep and we the first to originate. Y'all can try to discriminate, you've been doing it anyway. We just keep stepping, coming up, watch us elevate. Do side, Layla Park, rivers in the pen rip. Mac Fridge ripping, no one ever let the pen slip. Mary's at the crime, bro, way up to the ridge. One love to the mob, out in West Side City. You better be ready to get it, I'm spitting the kick in the rhythm and moving the difference. I go on and listen, we're bringing the vision of Fatigue with it, we got them all tripping. Listen, Murphy from the Mac Town, 
that here in black tear. No question about it, Joey got to bring it back. So what's the half? Who we beat? One them with the 22 clear. Who we beat? One them with the 22 clear. Where we beat? B N E down the S Y D. Steady rapping for our original piece. Who we beat? One them with the 22 clear. Who we beat? One them with the 22 clear. Where we beat? B N E down the S Y D. Steady rapping for our original piece. You say I'm oppressed. But you were pressed in the mark. 60,000 years of bloodline, you ain't even got spines. Why privilege tears on the floor? Soak it up, snowflake. Why you crying for if it's just only a day? It's a day where all my women got beaten and raped. Babies got buried in the sand and they got kicked in the face. Took our heads back as tokens. Yeah, I will pam away. I stay proud of my culture, but convict culture's the rain. You can call me Bach, I'm barking cheat of the bone. Black and strong like my tribe, waiting for our river to flow. I run my mouth like Kathy's legs and I back it all up. Got my brothers on the sideline and the run the ball up. What? From the big smoke, but this tit is connected. Well respected, I'm a reflection of my mother's perception. I stay flexing, even when I question some of my lessons. It's a blessing to have this melanin in my complexion. I got my mob on my back. Curry pride to the death. We're gonna braid them all black until we're the last ones left. And I am backing down from no one till I give my respect. Yes, I'm a little radical, but you just get what you get. Who we be? Wonder with the 22 clear. Who we be? Wonder with the 22 clear. Where we be? B and E down the SYD. Steady rapping for our original piece. Who we be? Wonder with the 22 clear. Who we be? Wonder with the 22 clear. Where we be? B and E down the SYD. Steady rapping for our original piece. Just then we heard 22 Clan by Macridge and Barker. This track that we're going to play for you is by Rebecca Hatch, 2560. <laughs> Six out troubles with the youth keep the parties going. Where I go, no, I stay low. Troubles with my skin, but the parties go. Oh, like you don't understand. Like, where'd you get the sense and chain around your neck? You can't afford. Asking where I've been, like, there's no one but beginnings. Take a sip so we can move.
You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, and just then we heard 2560 by Becca Hatch. This is 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 855 AM. Up next, I talk with Ravi Marinas, current secretary of the Philippines-Australia Solidarity Association, or PASA. Ravi is also a research fellow at the Melbourne Law School and principal lawyer at Advocate Solicitors and Barristers. So last week on the show, you would have heard a conversation between me and Ravi discussing the worrying expansion of ASIO's powers. If you didn't get a chance to tune in last week, you can find that episode on our webpage, www.3cr.org.au forward slash Thursday dash breakfast or wherever you get your podcasts. This week, in part two of our conversation, I talk with Ravi about the situation facing international students here in so-called Australia during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks so much, Ravi, for joining us on Thursday Breakfast again. You've been involved in some really important advocacy in relation to Filipino students here in Australia, who, like all other international students, have been effectively abandoned by the government during the COVID-19 crisis. Can you tell us a bit about the current situation facing so many international students and share with us some of the experiences and stories that Filipino and other students have been coming to you with in recent months? Yes, um, the COVID crisis really hit the, um, you know, the um, situation of international students in Australia. And I think um, the first and foremost, it's, it's the um you know it's their concern about their daily living and also um many of them have lost their jobs so they are concerned about how they will pay their expenses their rent their tuition fee so filipino groups um um with the help of migrante uh, filipino community organization has been able to um ask for help with within the uh, Filipino community and other community groups as well to assist these migrants in any possible way from giving food and groceries you know to referrals in finding job and uh, providing support and advice on where to go um, if they encounter problem with their rent um, and also uh, you know with their visa um, um, status, you can actually see the spirit of the Bayanihan, which is in the, in the Filipino value. It is the spirit of um, community togetherness and assistance in times of needs. Um, the other really surprising concern for the Filipino community um, is the extent of exploitation of, you know, the so-called education trafficking of Filipino international students by um, education agents and uh, private colleges, you know, in Melbourne. Um, many international students um, actually approach, um, you know, the uh, group um, about the, um, you know, the representation or you can say misrepresentation of, um, you know, the education agent and also the, the school in recruiting this um, um, these people, you know, to come to Australia because of the pathway for permanent residency. Now, when they arrived in Australia, it's it's a different um, it's a different story. It's um, you know it's very 
disappointing for them because the courses that they have um, enrolled with, you know, does not have any permanent residency pathway. Um, the quality of education that they have um, experienced, you know, in that school, you know, they're they're it's it's a very low quality. Um, for facilities and and um, you know they had been rip off with the you know with the, the, the extra payments that they have to um, you know they have to pay uh, to that particular school um, as well as you know intimidation in terms of you know paying the tuition fee because most of these students um, are not happy with that school so they have to go somewhere else but in fact the school is actually chasing them you know to pay, um, you know, the tuition fee that, you know, they have not enrolled in. So that's, that's very concerning for, you know, for the students. Several months ago, Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, said that international students should, quote, go home if they couldn't support themselves here during the COVID-19 public health crisis. Why is this government policy not only deeply racist, but simply not feasible for so many international students? Yes, I think the comment by the Prime Minister was actually inappropriate because and it's not only utterly racist, but it actually was insensitive, selfish and inconsiderate to the plight of international students in this country. You know, we have welcomed these students with an open arms in times of prosperity. They pay their tuition fee. Most of them are taxpayers and many have lived here for quite some time. So they are already considered, you know, uh, a member of, of um, Australian society. And you have this prime minister who tells them that if they cannot afford living here, you know, they should go home. I think that is completely and utterly offensive. It's very offensive um, and it's very disrespectful for this group of people in times of needs rather than providing them, you know, support. Um, financial or otherwise, this is what they get, you know, from a leader of this country who lacks a moral leadership during this crisis. Um, Australia can do more. They are part of our society, and I think we have a moral duty to help them as a member of this society. And for me, I think that is the essence of, you know, being um, a true citizen, you know, not because of your legal status, um, or, um, you know, your ethnicity and all that, but because of your relationship with the people in the community, which is boundless, um, and, um, and, um, and, um, you know, the, the relationship that you forge is, is a very important one. Yeah. What have Filipino community groups been doing to organize and provide grassroots support, advocacy and solidarity international students during the pandemic? Yes, um, the grant group have done a lot in terms of providing um, in-kind support to international students. Um, they have asked for donors and, um, you know, uh, Filipino businesses, you know, to help them with groceries or um, in terms of providing food. Um, um, and also financial um, uh, as well, um, to a limited extent. Um, they have 
raise awareness in terms of conducting webinar and various you know public uh, fora even during this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, Migrante is now assisting the students to make a complaint um, you know in terms of those um, students who had been um, you know misled um, to come to Australia and study this particular course or courses uh, which doesn't have any um, any value to them in terms of you know their intention um, with their lives. Um, so yes, you know they they're now uh, have made a complaint with the Commonwealth Ombudsman and the state government regulator on private institution. Uh, Migrante has also provided uh, referral supports to other mainstream social and legal services on issues including housing, rent, uh, finding work. Um, and all those type of things, yes. And before we wrap up, is there anything more you'd like to share with us on why migrant community activism is so important both here and in the Philippines? That's a very interesting question, Mark, because um, because I, I think it, it's important to, um, you know, uh, community groups and um, especially, you know, Filipino activists here in Australia to raise concern um, about issues in, say, for example, in the Philippines and also here in Australia, because, um, you know, you can see parallel of issues, you know, between the two countries, um, say, for example, with the issue of, um, you know, the um, curtailing of human rights and the, um, you know, the um, repression when it comes to the freedom of assembly, you know, freedom of um, speech and all that. You can see that the um, the Australian and the Philippine government are moving towards, you know, a more repressive and a police state when it comes to this, um, this type of issue. Um, so I think it is important that the two countries, you know, build solidarity and cooperation on the grassroots level. Um, and I suppose, you know, this is a, some sort of a transnationalism of, you know, activism and issue for for many of us here in Australia with the Filipino diaspora also um, that will benefit, you know, the people in the Philippines. Um, I think there's a mutual benefit, you know, of being an activist here and also an activist in the Philippines. So there's this um, sort of um you know solidarity going on at the transnational level as well yeah Ravi, how can listeners support and find out more about parsa well parsa has got a facebook page um so if you're on face facebook um they could just you know like the page and also send a message to be included in um, the parsa update um there's also an email you know which uh, people can send a request to be updated on issues about PASA's campaign. So it's uh, PASA at ilpsaustralia.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on Thursday Breakfast again, Ravi. Thank you, Max, for having me on your program. You've just been hearing from Ravi Marinas, current secretary of the Philippines-Australia Solidarity Association, or PASA, speaking with me about the current situation facing so many Filipino and other international students here in so-called Australia during the COVID-19 crisis.
You're tuned in to 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55am. It's the 9th of July. Stay tuned for more amazing radical radio. Up next, we're going to be listening to Leading Us Home by the phenomenal Sampa the Great.
You're listening to 3CR 855 AM Thursday morning breakfast. And just then we heard Leading Us Home by Sampa the Great. You're listening to Thursday Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. So on Saturday, the 4th of July, the Andrews government decided to impose a hard lockdown of nine public housing towers across Flemington, Kensington and North Melbourne. 500 of Victoria police were sent in to patrol floor by floor the 3,000 residents of the towers, many of whom are members of Melbourne's African community, all of whom are low-income residents of public housing and also um, many of whom experience intersecting issues of disability, substance use, but also people from multiple demographics, including refugees and recent migrants. So basically, a demographic of people that have been made vulnerable by the state's policies for a very long time. Before we go into a little more detail about what's happened um, from Monday, we're just going to go to a brief clip from Monday's episode of 3CR Diaspora Blues, produced by Ayan Shira, which features a short statement from a resident of one of the lockdown public housing blocks who details some of the early experiences of this lockdown. You're tuned into 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. I'm Ian Shirwa, the producer of Diaspora Blues. As you've heard by now, public housing tenants have once again been shafted by the government. Nine housing commission towers in Metro Melbourne have been on hard lockdown since 4th of June. These orders were a response to what the Andrew government claims is a public health response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Without sufficient notice, Flemington and North Melbourne residents in several public housing towers were told that they'd be detained in their homes for five days, basically house arrest. We reached out to one of the residents on the day of the announcement, and this is what she had to say. Um, I found out about the lockdown in the high-rise buildings pretty much when everybody else in Australia found out about it on the news about 5 p.m. today um, when Dan Andrew came on and told Australia that these towers were um, going into lockdown immediately. That's how everybody in the towers, in the buildings, in the flats, that's how everybody found out about it. The problem was that there's a lot of people that don't watch the news that weren't, you know, that information didn't get to them and until, you know, other tenants actually told them that, you know, we're going into immediate lockdown and even that was not made clear itself because in the news he said that it's going it's going to be effective of 12 um, a.m tonight um however when we went downstairs to go do our last minute shopping um the police that were heavily um downstairs were like no you can't because it's up immediately i don't think that the situation is fair because I don't need why you need a police officer to take care of a health issue. Why don't they have nurses outside? Why don't they have healthcare workers outside? They they made an announcement a couple of days ago where in, in the high rise, and usually these announcements are only made for fire evacuation. However, they made announcements telling people to come downstairs and get tested. There's free testing. Now, from... What I know as a healthcare worker, the COVID testing was free. So they've been, the last couple of days, 
testing people and then suddenly everybody going downstairs. So people are actually complying and actually doing, you know, going downstairs and thinking, oh, okay, you know, we're going to get tested. We're going to get tested. And then today at 5 p.m., no results were told to, you know, the building or anyone else, but we went immediately into lockdown. So, no, I don't think it's fair at all. A lot of people are saying five days is not much, but five days is a lot for somebody who has panic attacks. Five days is a lot for somebody who's going to go into anaphylaxis shock and that doesn't have their EpiPen straight away. Five days is a lot for a person who is living in a home already by themselves that already felt alone and would go outside and see people only then. What's more scary is that it can be extended to 14 days. They've only said five days now. That doesn't mean that it's only going to be for five days. Five days after five days or after three days, they can come around and say, oh, it's been extended to 14 days. Mm -hmm. I also, you know, also have to question how are they going to get results of 3,000 plus tenants results in five days? Who's actually doing the, te um, the sampling, who, who's getting these results? Where Where is it being done? My final thoughts is that I'm just worried about people's mental health um, and well-being in the building. Um, they keep reiterating this, we're in it together, and clearly we are not in it together. The high-rise buildings are only in it together. We want to thank that resident for speaking so candidly and during such a stressful period. We know it wasn't easy. If you don't believe caging people up is the way to keep communities safe, email the Premier Daniel Andrews at daniel.andrews at parliament.vic.gov.au. So from what we've heard, um, and this conversation's been happening pretty prominently on Twitter, the police have been intimidating and harassing residents of the blocks and the Department of Health and Human Services who've been tasked with supporting people in the blocks during this incredibly severe set of measures have failed to provide adequate food and medical supplies. Police have also been blocking or denying and delaying mutual aid from getting in. However, in the face of this, there's been some incredible organizing by residents of the blocks and people on the outside, spearheaded by organizations like Mutual Aid Southeast, AMSA Youth Connect, Ubuntu Project, and Rise Refugee. As well as that, We've seen the development and a massive response to a Victorian Trades Hall Council fundraiser to support people in the blocks, but with little indication of how they're working with grassroots organizations and directing funding that they've raised. There are also some concerns about what this organizing means, considering Trades' affiliation with Victoria Police's union, the Police Association of Victoria, noting the history of racialized policing in the blocks and the nature of the present lockdown. There's an open letter currently circulating asking Victorian Trades Hall Council to disaffiliate from the Police Association Victoria. And I guess we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we can bring you some updates on that in next week's show. An initial set of demands was released on the weekend as well by residents in the blocks outlining their key concerns with the rapidly enforced and targeted nature of the lockdown and the draconian measures that have been put in place. The government has also disturbingly announced early this week that a field hospital has been opened at the Melbourne showgrounds to keep tower tenants away from the broader public healthcare system. 
This is a pretty shocking example of segregation on the basis of both class and race. And understandably, residents of the public housing towers have been pretty upset about this, um, considering that they haven't even been able to access basic medical care um, for ongoing issues when they're detained within the towers. There's also been some serious concerns about the way that testing is being conducted in the towers, where people are being forced to get tested in the lobby of the towers, making it an unsafe and unsanitary space for residents to move around in. So at the time of recording, which is the night of Tuesday, the 7th of July, Victoria is poised to move back into stage three lockdowns across the Melbourne and Mitchell Shires for six weeks. This means that we won't be able to leave our houses unless it's for care and medical reasons, shopping for essentials, work or study which can't be done remotely, and exercise. Apparently, residents in the quote-unquote hard lockdown towers, aka the nine public housing blocks, will be subject to stage three restrictions after testing of COVID-19 of all residents has been completed. Now, this is a concerning and um, ultimately pretty coercive mechanism um, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I would encourage people to keep up to date about this and we'll provide more information how to do so later. Um, there's no indication at this time whether police will be removed from the towers, but obviously this is something that residents are agitating for and allies on the outside are pushing for as well. So I wanted to read out the updated demands that have been put out today on the 7th of July along with a media release um, that was also released today, and we'll put a link to that in uh, the show notes. So these are the demands, and they're from a coalition of residents, family members, and the community. Number one, all public housing estates to be placed under stage three COVID-19 restrictions like our neighbors, so we can still leave our homes for work or education, exercise, medical care or caregiving, or shopping for supplies. Number two, the Victorian government must withdraw all 500 police and authorized officers from inside of all public housing estates. Number three, the Victorian government must implement infection prevention measures such as regular disinfection and cleaning of communal spaces and the distribution of masks. Number four, the Victorian government must set up testing sites in walking distance of the nine public housing estates instead of inside the public housing estates in order to prevent the risk of spreading COVID-19. And number five, the Victorian government must coordinate services in support of current community-led activities that are responding to residents' food, medical, financial, mental health, and social service needs. And this was released by Voices from the Blocks, um, which once again covers public housing residents that are in the nine blocks across North Melbourne, Flemington and Kensington as of the 7th of July, 2020. So as I mentioned before, there are some organizations doing amazing mutual aid work around supporting people that are currently residents in the public housing blocks and lockdown unable to get out. These include AMSA Youth Connect. So if you want to follow them on Instagram, that's at AMSSA Youth Connect, Ubuntu Project. So on Instagram, they are at UBUNTU Project AU and Mutual Aid Southeast. Um, and their details have been shared far and wide, but I don't believe they have a website at, as yet. 
Updates from people in the towers are also available via the RISE Refugee Survivors and Ex-Detainees Twitter account. That's at RISE Refugee on Twitter. Initially, RISE was doing some work around uh, collecting and providing donations of mutual aid to people in the towers, but now they've dedicated their Twitter account pretty much um, full-time to amplifying the voices of people that are residing within the flats. We would also encourage people to contact members of government to demand accountability around this situation. So really important people to contact around this are obviously the Premier, Daniel Andrews, but we also encourage that you contact the Minister for Housing, Richard Wynne, as well as Lisa Neville, who's the police minister. I would say also try and get in touch with your local member and get them to put pressure on Daniel Andrews, the Minister for Housing and the police minister to try and make change happen and to get some accountability and transparency and also some reparations and support for people in the public housing units. If you're just tuning in, you've been listening to Thursday Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM. And we just heard a little bit of a discussion with some updates about the situation across the nine public housing units across Flemington, Kensington and North Melbourne that have been subject to severe lockdown measures um, as a result, we're told, of the coronavirus pandemic. Hashtag free the nine blocks. So thanks for listening to 3CR Thursday morning breakfast. Just a bit of a rundown of the show on the 9th of July. So first up, we heard from Dr. Jackie Haggins, who spoke at the Virtual Progress 2020 conference on Black Lives Matter and the, and the incarceration of First Nations women. Uh, Jackie Huggins is a Bidura and Vera Gubba Dura woman and a celebrated author, historian and former co-chair of National Congress of Australia's First Peoples. And then we heard some excerpts from Beyond the Bars 2020. So we heard some interviews that were conducted at Dane Villas Frost Prison and also Modern Middleton Prison. We also heard uh, part two of an interview with Ravi Marinas from the Philippines Australia Solidarity Association about the imp impacts of COVID-19 pandemic on Filipino students and other international students in so-called Australia and the importance of grassroots migrant community organizing. And finally, we heard some updates from earlier this week about the situation across the nine public housing blocks that have been subject to a hard lockdown in Flemington, Kensington, and North Melbourne, and responses that have uh, come out of those blocks from residents, as well as about some community organizing that's been happening to support people that are residing in the blocks. So that's all we've got time for today. What a massive show, Carly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, solidarity with everybody in the blocks at the moment. Yeah, and, and oh, and just a reminder, um, make sure you're following hashtag free the nine blocks on Twitter. Um, that's where you can keep up to date about what's happening there um, and about any urgent actions that are occurring. Stay Great. tuned for Lost in Science. Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation. Or pass on some information to a programmer. We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03-9419-8377. Each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. 
That's 03 9419 8377. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay. 